Father, we love you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to worship. We pray your blessing over what for many is truly a sacrifice of praise, but Lord, that's what you call us all to, to take the whole of who we are and, and Lord, as living sacrifices, I give you honor and glory and praise. You are a mighty God and you deserve all the glory. And so God, help us to continue as we worship you. Uh, Lord, we, we, we wanna take your word. We wanna take it to heart. We wanna take it and, and submit our lives to it. And so God, help us to receive your truth this morning. We wanna see how you built us and how you relate to us and, and, and what, it, what it takes to be in right relationship with you. Lord, we, we have to see that this morning. And so God, would you take the weakness of my flesh and my stumbling lips and Lord, would you just set all of that aside and, and God, would you allow us to receive your word this morning? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give. Um, Lord, thank you for the ability to just show obedience in the tithe and then and then to, as we grow, give a free will offering. Uh, Lord, to, to, to support different aspects of ministry. But then God, thank you for the privileges to sacrifice, to see the kingdom multiply. And so God, would you bless our tithes and our offerings and our sacrifices. And Lord, would you bless it for the furthering of the gospel here at 40th and Walnut and around the world. Uh, Lord, we, we ask in Jesus' name that you'd help us to be good stewards. We're, king, we're ambassadors for Christ, and so, Lord, we wanna represent him well in terms of how the, the tithes, the offerings, and the sacrificial giving is invested for the work. Lord, we, we trust you and we thank you for your help this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Um, we are, you know, we're, we're working through what, what that'll look like. You guys, just, just so that everybody knows, the orders, uh, the emergency orders in Kansas City have been dropped. Uh, yeah, praise the Lord. Um, so, but you, you, are, you are the person that takes care of you. You get that, right? So if you need to wear a mask, you wear a mask. When Eric tells you you need to shake someone's hand, um, he's, what he means is he wants you to, 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 to be friendly, right, to, to greet. And so if you're not at the handshaking phase yet, you already know, you've had a whole year of practice. You just stick that elbow out and, and, uh, and, and people know, you know, you're, you're, you're just, you, you gotta be careful. Some people are still making sure, right? You, the last thing you wanna do is even get a cold. Um, others of you, you're just ready for a warm, sloppy hug and a smooch. And praise the Lord, you know, that's, there's, there'll be people here that'll give you that. Uh, so we're working through tactically. There's offering boxes in the back. You can, you can give your offering there. Online uh, is where everything just gets taken care of. At, at mbtkc.org, you can hit the My MBT button and uh, you, can, you can take care of your giving there. All right, let's review. Uh, so far, what we've seen over the last week or so is, well in verses five and six, we saw God's provision for all living things. We saw why we have the plants. And then we started looking at people, verse seven. And we saw that Adam in his creation is unique. He is both made and created and formed. Uh, God said, let us make man. Uh, let us make man. And so male and female created he them. So he was made, he was created, but here in verse seven we see that man is formed from the dust. He's formed from the dirt. He's out of the dust of the ground that God makes man. And then what we began to see last week is that man, like God, he's created as a trinity. He is a, a trinity because he's made in the likeness and image of God, right? It's, it's in his image he's made. And so God made Adam body, soul, and spirit. And so we're gonna drill down on that this morning. Uh, what you'll have here, let's go ahead and, and uh, look, at, look at verse seven. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and so he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and so go ahead and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. There it is, okay, so we're gonna just show that as the spirit of God entering into that dust, and then the Bible says man became a living soul. Go ahead and pop up the soul. Um, uh, yeah, there it is. Okay, so that's, that's the best I know how to do it this week. Do we need to go back? 
Uh, go ahead and go back. Go back a few clicks. Okay, so there's the body formed from the dust of the ground. Body's ready, there's no life in it. So God breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. So we're just gonna make that the dotty form. Okay, that, now the breath of life is in the form and then man becomes a living soul. And um, next time we're, well, we'll look at this again in our review next time. We'll come at this from another angle. But anyway, that's what it is. Man is a trinity. He is made body, soul, and spirit. So he's God breathed, that's what, that's what we saw last time. It's the inspiration, it's the in-breathing, right? Inspiration, the in-spirit putting it in there, right? The inspiration of God, the in-breathing of God that brings life. And we saw that's how we get a living word. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration, right? Inspiration, the in-breathing of God, divinely breathed word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And what's the result? Well, the result is a living soul. But what a soul it is. <laughs> you keep going in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, God inbreathed his word. Why? That the man of God may be what? Perfect. That he might be conformed to the image of God. Do you see where we're going this morning? That the man of God might be made after the likeness and the image of God, that he might be made perfect, truly furnished unto all good works, conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the will of God for his people. Romans 8, 29 says that for whom God, right, did, for whom he did foreknow, those that God saw submit their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, believe on him, uh, for the forgiveness and remission of sins, those that he foreknew, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God, in his living word, whenever that comes into your heart and your life, that starts a process of you being conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how awesome is that? I mean, that is an amazing thing to, to know that God is restoring his people. He is building back his image into his people that was lost in the fall in the Garden of Eden. Now, today I want us to examine the question of why God did this in verse seven. Why is God having children? You remember in Luke chapter three and verse 38, we see in the genealogy of Jesus that Adam is made the son of God. Uh, Jesus was the son of, who was the son of, who was the son of, who was the son of Seth, who was the son of Adam, who was, the Bible says, the son of God. So why is God having kids? Well, you need to get this down in your notes. God is a God of relationship. God is a God of relationship, and you see that very clearly in the Godhead itself, in the Trinity. There is relationship in the Godhead, isn't there? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is a Father. You wanna get that down in your notes. And so he desires a relationship with his children. Fathers want children. So he desires a relationship with him. That's why he designs man the way that he does. Uh, we're gonna break Adam down into his parts, his component parts in here in just a second. But what we wanna see, what we wanna get up front is that God made us so that he could be in relationship with us. So God makes Adam his son. And we saw this in day six in Genesis chapter one. The goal is that God's replacing these fallen sons of God, these celestial beings who end up in rebellion against him. Uh, we know from Revelation chapter 12 that at least one third of the celestial host is in rebellion with Lucifer. And so what we deduced by comparing scripture with scripture is that God's replacing those fallen sons of God with the sons of Adam, who is the son of God, Luke 3.38. So pay attention as we break down Genesis 2-7. Adam is made, man is made so that he can relate to God. Man is made so that he can relate to God. So we already said this, but let's make the comparison. Adam and God are both Trinitarian in nature. There's three to the one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Adam, body, soul, spirit. Okay, so let's line them up. 
Let's compare Adam and God. So Adam is made from the earth. What are we describing there? We're describing his body. Uh, what does this correlate to in terms of the Godhead? Now, I know some of you, you wanna go deeper. You can compare Adam, body, soul, spirit, all to the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's plenty of cross-references to do that. We're just gonna take a big picture view this morning. Adam is made from the dust of the ground. He is made flesh first. Well, let's compare that to Jesus. He is the word made what? He is the word made flesh. First John 1.1, 1, 1. we won't have these on the board, just listen. I've got the cross references for you in your notes. Speaking of Jesus, First John 1.1, 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Our hands handled the word made flesh. First John 1.14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 14, verse nine, Philip saith unto him, unto Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Lord, if you'd just show us the Father, that's all we need. And Jesus is like, ah, are you kidding me? Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jesus is the part of the Godhead that we can see and feel, that we can touch. He is the word of God made flesh. Everybody with me so far? So there has to be, a, if God's gonna have a child, there's gonna have to be a part of him, a part of that child that can be seen, that can be felt, that can be touched. So he makes him with a body. Adam is made like his father so that he can walk with him, so that he can serve him, so that he can be with him. In Genesis 3.8, we see that Adam walks with this word of God. Uh, in the cool of the day, Genesis 3.8, they, they, they hear the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Uh, the way that it's described here, it's like this is an everyday occurrence. Well, there's a daily, there's a father-son relationship that's taking place. So let's sum up Adam's body. Let's talk about his physiology. The body houses now the physical members and senses, the physical members and senses, and this allows Adam, this allows man to relate to physical creation. He can now serve the Lord. He can now be in relationship with him as a father and a son together. Now let's talk about the spirit. He breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. Okay, so the inspiration of God, the inbreathing of God, the life of God comes into the flesh. We're gonna obviously liken that to the, that is the spirit, right? So the spirit in the word is likened unto wind. That's the part that you can feel but you can't see. Okay, you, you can feel it but you can't see it. I mean, you can feel the spirit but you can't see it. It's just like the wind in John 3. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. What are we talking about? If you're gonna enter into the kingdom of God, you gotta be born twice, don't you? First, you have to be alive. There has to be a physical birth. You're born of water, but then you have to be born again. You have to be born of the spirit of Christ. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Well, how does that work? Well, verse seven, John three, seven says, marvel not that I send unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. It's like the wind, you can feel it, but you can't see it. Uh, do you have the spirit of God in your life? It's the spirit of God that bears witness with your spirit that you're God's child. Have you ever felt that? It's the spirit of God, it's the word of God that tells you who you are in Christ. This is what enables man to have life, right? We saw in Genesis 2-7 the inspiration, the, the breath of life is breathed into him. Man becomes a living soul. So it enables life but also oneness in God himself. God put his spirit into man. 
And when a person today is born again, the Bible says they're joined to the Lord. How? Well, it's through the function of the Spirit of Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Man, that's amazing. Uh, that, that little verse right there just ties you into a whole lot of mind-blowing concepts. That is being joined to the Lord, being one spirit with the Lord is what takes you out of time and puts you in eternity. This is how Romans chapter six is all written in present tense. Are you crucified present tense with Christ? Well, you are if you are joined to the Lord in one spirit with him. You are crucified with Christ. You are buried with Christ. You are risen with Christ. So it gives us oneness with God himself. I mean, that's how we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ. Now, notice Adam's life now is God's life. God's life is in him, but that is life. It's the same thing's true today. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, now the Lord is that spirit. So, well, the spirit's different than God. No, he's not. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. I mean, that's amazing to have the, the very life of God himself to be our life. My life is Christ. Uh, Lord, help us to see it. Okay, so we talked about physio- phys- the physiology of man. Let's talk about the spirituality of man. God put his spirit in man, right? The spirit is to govern the conscious and communion of man. Uh, his conscience before man and God, but also his communion both with his fellow man and with God. This is what allows man, the spirit that God puts in a man, allows him to relate to God himself. And then Genesis 2 verse seven says, and man, Adam, becomes a living soul. So it is interesting, we talked about it in terms of three parts. He's both uh, uh, created and made and formed, but he also becomes, right? When the spirit of God is put into the flesh, the soul becomes, he became a living soul. And so we're gonna line that up with God the Father. Adam became a living soul that could now have many sons. So what the Father has done in Adam, Adam is gonna turn around, and the goal is, the commission, the mandate is for him to do the same. The soul is what enables Adam to be. According to Mark chapter eight, verse 36, it's what eternally exists. Mark 8, 36 says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If your soul exists in eternal condemnation, but you are ruler of the world, I mean, you, you're the king of everything, Antichrist. So, you, I mean, you won, but then you spend eternity separate from God in hell. What have you gained? You had a few moments of pleasure in time, but you're cut off from God for eternity? There's no profit in that. The point being, the soul lasts forever. Once it becomes, it can't be undone. Once God has a son, right, in Adam, it can't be undone. Now, dispensationally, that in the garden worked a little different than it does today. Um, But um, you can't undo life. You can't can't take it back. You You can physically end life, but the soul, it exists forever. It can't be undone. The soul is the real you that you can't see with the physical eyes, but it's there, it's the part that's you. Uh, It's your personhood. So let's see the example of the Father. John 1, 18 says, no man hath seen the Father at any time. You can't see him with your physical eyes, but he is there, it's really him. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So if you've seen Christ, you've seen the Father. John 14, again, verses eight and nine. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? He's the part that we can't see. Now in Christ we can see him, but, but in terms of the Father in the Godhead, he's the part that you can't see, but he's there. So the soul is the product of the spirit from God and the body formed by God that allows man to become a son of God, okay? So the, the soul, if we look at our picture here of our man, and uh, the soul is illustrated by the shading. Everybody's with me on that, right? 
the shading in our illustration. Notice that it matches the outline of the body. The body is formed, and now the soul enters into the man, or the soul becomes in the man, and, uh, and, and so it takes on, the soul has both, both parts in its nature, if I can say it this way. Uh, it, the soul has an aspect that, that mirrors the fleshly formation, but it has an aspect that mirrors the spirit of God. This is why you can't see it, but it's there. But at the same time, it has eyes, ears, eyes and ears, and, how's the song go? Uh, huh. Head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, eyes and ears and and eyes and nose. Head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. It, your soul has all of that. You're like, prove it. Okay, turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 16. The soul mirrors the makeup of the body. Luke 16, verse 19. It has head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, eyes and ears, mouth and a nose. So this is the story in Luke chapter 16, we'll pick it up in verse 19, of a rich man and a beggar. The rich man is not named because he goes into condemnation. The beggar, this is actual, an actual story that Jesus is telling because the beggar has a name. You will meet Lazarus. You will meet this beggar one day if you're a believer. Um, he's dying. He's, he's, he's diseased, he's starving. Dogs are licking his sores. Verse 22 says, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. This is before the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so absent from the body is to be carried by angels to paradise if you're a believer. It's not present with the Lord dispensationally at this point. So he's carried to Abraham, uh, uh, Abraham's bosom. Uh, the rich man also died and was buried, and no angels caught him and carried him to safety. Uh, the Bible says, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing, notice his soul, I mean, where's his body? The rich man died, his body's buried, right? It's in a sepulcher somewhere, it's in a, it's in a pile of rocks. Um, but he, the part that makes him him, the true him, lifts up its eyes, in, in the soul has eyes, he lifts up his eyes in hell, and uh, he, being in tor- he can feel the torment of this place, so it has feelings uh, like the flesh. And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried, so he's got a voice, and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger, so Lazarus' soul has a finger that can be dipped in water, and cool my tongue. The rich man's soul has a tongue, and again, the bodies are in rocks. They're buried, they're in sepulchers. For I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. Uh, we can't get there, you can't get here. Uh, so here is, a, here is a guy that dies and he's tormented. He can feel the flame of hell. Uh, he can see with soulish eyes someone in paradise beyond the gulf, beyond the void, uh, in paradise, and he wants him to dip his finger in water and cool his tongue because he's in torment. Just one drop, man, talk about how horrible hell is. One drop of water is gonna be all, all, all a rich man wants is one drop of water. Think about that. Um, horrible. The point that I want, to see, I want you to see from this story is that the soul is a reflection. It's a mirror. It becomes out of the flesh and out of the spirit of God. Does everybody see that? So there's a spiritual aspect to the soul. There's a fleshly aspect to the soul. Uh, and yet it is unique and distinct from the two. This is to mirror, this soul is the part that is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Uh, we looked at that in Romans 8, 29. We are, our soul is to grow and be matured and be conformed to the image of Christ. But when the spirit of God is in man, it can exist on a higher plane via its connection to Christ and the spirit. Again, 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. 
Um, before I got saved, my spirit was dead, right? Because my life wasn't hid in Christ and God in Christ. My life was cut off from God. And whenever I believed on the gospel of Jesus Christ, what happened was at 12 years of age, I recognized my, the exceeding sinfulness of my sin, that it separated me from a holy God. And I believed on God's provision. He wasn't willing that I would perish. This is why God the Father sends God the Son to be made, to be reckoned, to be accounted my sin. The things that separate me from God, my wickedness, my evil, Christ takes that upon himself and Colossians 2 says it, he nailed it to his tree and the wrath of God was poured out. Christ now as the Lamb of God becomes the sacrifice for my sin. God's wrath is poured out on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago and my wickedness, it was judged that day and God's wrath was satisfied over it. Now what I have to do is I have to appropriate that. I had to believe on Christ as my sin bearer and so at 12 years of age, I, I confess my sin. God, save me, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. Come into my heart and life and save me. And the Bible says what happens when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, when you believe on the gospel, you're born again. You become a new creature in Christ. But also, God puts his spirit in you. Your spirit is made alive. Uh, your spirit is now, the, it's joined to God's spirit. First uh, Corinthians six seventeen says we are, one spirit. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Ephesians 2, 6 says that he has now raised us up. He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. My life is now in Christ. He is my life. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, we are confident and I say willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So whenever a believer dies, their body no longer holds their spirit. The silver cord is broken. This is how Ephesians, or Ecclesiastes describe it. describes it. Your, your, your body releases its hold on your soul. And absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so we're going we're gonna to attempt to doodle this because I want you to see how this works uh, now, see, we already got a new setup. You don't have to laugh. This is gonna work. Okay, so here we go. What this is, what you're looking at, is a dinner table, okay? And I'm gonna prove it because there's, there's chairs. You're, you're having a dinner table, okay? What does this have to do with body, soul, and spirit? Well, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm either gonna explain it or I'm gonna just confuse everyone right now. <laughs> Absent from the body is present with the Lord. Okay, we have said this in this room a few times. Because of the way God made us, we have the ability to exist in higher d dimensions, right? There is a spiritual dimension that we live in. We are, Ephesians says, seated together in heavenly places in Christ. Physically, we are seated together in physical places at 40th and Walnut. Everybody sees that, right? Your hiney is in a seat at the corner of 40th and Walnut, physically. Spiritually, we're at the right hand of the Father. We're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Both things are absolutely 100% true. You have five senses. You can't detect any of what's going on in heavenly places with your five senses. You can't reckon it with your physical mind, but you can believe on it because God says it so in his word. He that is joined to the Lord is what? one spirit, so you exist on a physical plane, and you, and I mean you, if you're a believer, you exist on a spiritual plane. And your soul is connected to both. Is everybody with me? Okay, so it's like, it's like dinner. Okay, so you're having a dinner party, and what do we have here? We've got one, two, three, four, five, six. We got eight, it's eight, it's a, it's a, it's a party of eight. And everybody's coming in, and you wanna save your place. And so what do you do? You put your drink down to save your place. Okay, is it saving this place or is it saving this place? Yeah, of course it is. That's why, that's why, well here, let me, uh, let me blow up Schroeder's cat. Whoops. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, this is Schroeder's cat, I don't know how to make him bigger. 
I'm just going to mess him up. Okay, that's Schroeder's cat. I don't know, maybe you can go on the live stream and see it. One eye's alive and one eye's dead. Uh, talk to a nerd, they'll explain it to you. Okay, so, so you save your place. Well, are you, you know, you, maybe somebody else comes along and it's like uh, they, 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 they go to save their place and, and they see that cup there and they get confused and so what they do is they put their cup right there and they save their place. Well, it's obvious that it's saving this. What, 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 which place is this cup saving? This is what's called a, a, it's called a superposition, is what it's called. Um, this is related to the field of quantum mechanics, how some bits of matter on the quantum level can exist in multiple states at the same time and occupy multiple spaces at the same time. And where is it? Well, yes, that's where it is. It's in a superposition. And, and you don't know what position it's in until you look at it. And then it's where it is. Well, so it's the same thing. Uh, the minute I set my sanctified hiney right here in this chair, guess what, this cup, what place it was saving? Well, it was saving this one. And if I sat over here, well, then it was saving this place. Does that make sense? Okay, where am I? Well, yeah, I, 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 I am. Where am I? Well, right now I'm at 40th and Walnut. Well, where am I? Well, it depends on where you're looking. I'm, in, I'm seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Is everybody with me on that? Already, you're an expert in quantum mechanics, praise the Lord. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. Eric, can you come up? Just real quick, can you just set that down and, and move like you got some place to be? Okay, so Eric is Jesus, okay? <laughs> and I am Sam, and what happened was is I was separated from, I actually have, a, I work out now with rubber bands, and I was gonna bring one of them, and I realized one of us was gonna get hurt, so <laughs> we're just gonna act this out. Okay, so. So whenever I believe on Jesus, what happens is, is Jesus puts his spirit in me, and we're gonna illustrate this by the rubber band. And so you've got this part of the rubber band. This is the spirit, and I've got the other part of the rubber band, okay? And what's connecting us is this rubber band is connecting us at all times, isn't it? Do You see that? Are we, are we together or are we apart? Yes, okay, yes. Are we together or are we apart? Both and, we, we, we're absolutely together. He that is joins the Lord is one spirit. But you know, what I did though, is I got really busy and I got, I got a little shaky on my diet, my exercise, and, and uh, before you knew it, I weighed, I weighed 275 pounds and, and life caught up with me and, and, uh, and, and you know, just the, the life does what it does. And eventually my body's like, and it gives up the ghost. What happens? Well. The Bible says that, that I'm sealed by this spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. It's called the spirit of promise. Uh, we are sealed, the Bible says, by the spirit of God himself until the day of redemption, until the day Christ comes for his bride. Uh, my soul, and again, we'll look at this in more detail next time, but, but basically in a nutshell, what happened is before I got saved, my soul was stuck to my body once I got saved, uh, Colossians 2 says a spiritual operation took place and now my soul is stuck to Jesus through the spirit of Christ, okay? That's it in a nutshell. So when my body dies, e Ecclesiastes says the silver cord is loosed and, and so what happens? My body gives up its soul. Do you see that? Absent from the body is what? Man, it's just like a rubber band. Jesus got an iron fist, he can take it. I'm here one moment and now I'm with Jesus. Okay, so my body's still over here. So immediately, <laughs> right? You see that? Absent from the body is present with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Is everybody with you? Okay, guys, give it up for Jesus. I mean, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I'll figure out how to uh, blow up Schroeder's cat in the next service. Okay, so, so we talked about the physiology of man. We talked about the spirituality of man. Let's talk about the psychology of man. It's the soul that governs the mind, the will, and the emotions of man. So just like the body lets man, right, as a child uh, be before God to serve and, and to, to walk with God in this world, and just like the Spirit of God allows man to relate at that spiritual dimension, 
Uh, he that has joined the Lord is one spirit. Well, the soul allows man to relate properly to both man and God, okay? So I, 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 now, have, I now have the ability to make executive decisions, right? I can execute, I, can, I, I, I have a free will. I can know the mind of Christ and I can decide on it. I can give myself to the Lord or I can rebel. I can relate properly to God, I can relate properly to man or not. The soul is what has agency. So we're describing who a person is, but here's the problem, what we're gonna see. <clears throat> what we're gonna see in Genesis chapter three is after the fall, after Adam rebels against God, uh, that Adam has now sinned. He has missed the mark of God's expectation and Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. So the soul in sin is separate from God and is tied only to the flesh. And what happens? A lost man then, because his spirit is now not one with God's spirit, his soul is tied to his flesh, and we already know that there's only condemnation in the flesh. In my flesh, Paul says, dwelleth no good thing. And he says that as a Christian who God used to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Two-thirds of, of the word of God comes from a guy who says, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth, present tense, no good thing. <sighs> okay, soul's dead, or spirit's dead. It's not joined to the Lord. It's not joined to the life of God. Soul's tied to the flesh, and it's corrupt. What is a lost man? Well, a lost man's out of balance, isn't he? He's not anchored everywhere that he is supposed to be anchored. He's completely out of balance. He doesn't relate well to others. He doesn't do well in his environment. He's not anchored to God. So what is the lost man's need? He needs the image of God restored. He needs salvation. Again, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he needs to be joined back to the Lord. This is why Jesus said in John 3, 7, again, marvel not that I send it to thee. You must be born again. You need to be born, Jesus said, of the Spirit. So if we want a right relationship with God, how do we get it? Well, the lost man, because if he doesn't know the word of God, he thinks, he, he thinks the solution is in himself. It's based on what he does. And we'll see this in Genesis chapter three. Adam, he is cut off from the life of God because he rebelled. He disobeyed the word of God and he ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and so he's out of balance. And so what does he do? Well, he runs to his own works. He hides himself and covers himself with fig leaves. Uh, fig leaves in the Bible are a picture of man's, the, the picture of man's works of righteousness that he tries to do for himself. So a lost man thinks that he can be good enough, he can be smart enough, he can be sharp, sharp enough, gosh darn it, he can be likable enough that God's gonna accept him based on who he is in his rebellion and it doesn't work that way. He thinks that he can get back to a right relationship with God based upon what he does. What's he doing? Well, he's trying to follow some form of the law. Uh, if I do right, I'll get right. If I do right, I will have the right blessings over my life, and that's the function of the law, is to show us that we can never do right enough uh, whenever somebody's following the law, they're focused on doing right in order to be right with God, and that always ends in frustration because we find out we can't. As a matter of fact, Galatians tells us that the, the law is a schoolmaster to show us that we need the grace of God in our life. So if I'm trying to, to serve God just through the works of my flesh, I'm gonna be frustrated because the works of the flesh, Galatians 5.19, are manifest, which are these. What does the flesh do? Well, here's what the flesh does. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Does that sound like a life of peace that passeth all understanding? That sounds miserable, doesn't it? Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And that results not only in being cut off from God, but it's gonna result in a lot of physical problems in the body and a lot of emotional problems in the mind. He ends up out of balance. I mean, you pursue a life of, well, let's just pick a phrase, envy and murders and drunkenness. How's that gonna work out for you? Uh, you're gonna have physical problems, you're gonna have emotional problems, you're out of balance. So the law is teaching man that we need God's grace based on what Jesus did. You can't get right with God based on what you do. You need to come to God based on what Christ did. 
Is your life, flow, I mean, just think about it. Right here, right now, in this moment, okay, is my life, is your life focused in the flesh, in Adam, or in the spirit, in Christ? Are you living your life in the deeds of the flesh or in the person of Christ? Uh, the works of the flesh are frustrating, but check out Colossians chapter three. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's a whole nother way. There's a, I mean, you can, you're not stuck to operating on the physical plane. Uh, you can go the next higher dimension and you can operate on the spiritual plane. Colossians three verse one says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Can you see the things that are above with physical eyes? No way, no how. But you can know them, you can believe on them, you can seek and you can find them. Watch what Colossians 3.1 says. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Romans 6 says the same thing this way. Romans 6.3, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and God puts his spirit in you, you are now pulled. There's a, spiritually, you're pulled outside of time. You are plunged into the eternal one. And now, Colossians 6.3 says, you are buried with Christ by baptism into his death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I don't live my life anymore by the works of the flesh. You say, well then why do you do all the dumb stuff that you do? Well, you know, sometimes I live in the flesh. <laughs> and what do I need to do? I need to confess, that's fleshly living. And all there is in living in the flesh is condemnation. Right, oh wretched man that I am. This body of the sins of, uh, of flesh, the sins of death that's in my flesh, this condemnation, what's the answer? What's Romans 8? There is therefore now no condemnation to them who walk how? Not after the flesh, it's after the spirit, isn't it? I walk after the spirit. We should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Man, if you're saved, serving sin, that's not you anymore. Your identity is now in Christ by faith in his word, by faith in Christ's finished work, and that results, now you've got all your connections back. You are, your life is now one, in the spirit with God himself. Uh, you are no longer tied to the corruptness of flesh. You are tied to the person of Christ and that results even in health. Psalms 42, 11 says, why art thou cast down, o, o my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I, sh I shall yet praise him. Watch, watch how God's described. Who is the health of my countenance and my God? You know, they do studies and they found out that happy Christians live longer. Did you know that? I mean, did you? That's an amazing thing. People who have a right relationship with God, they're happy in the Lord, it adds to their lifespan. Uh, everything works better when everything's working in Christ. So not only are you back in balance, being conformed, the, the, this, this image of Christ that was lost by the sin of man is now being restored, you're being conformed to the image of Christ, but now there's contentment. Why, because we just saw it in Romans six, you're walking by faith. You're, 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 you were buried with Christ in his death. You're also risen with Christ to walk, Romans 6, 4 says. We should also walk in newness of life. You're not, you're not living by flesh anymore. You're living by faith. So to, Adam is made body, soul, and spirit. He's got a, he's got a physiology, he's got a spirituality, and there's a, there's a psychology, there's a soulish part of man that makes him this image, this, like, this, this image of God, this, this son of God. Why? Okay, this is the point that we've been making in chapters one and two. Adam's mission is the same as the father's. It's to multiply sons. Adam, remember, is to reproduce and to refill the earth. At this point, the earth is God's kingdom 
He is to refill God's kingdom with life, with sons that love and give glory to him. So physically, Adam is just like God. He's just like Jesus, and he's multiplying sons of God. After Adam's fall, okay, we see the parallel spiritually today. If we are born again, we are called the sons of God, and we are to multiply spiritual sons to God. Last point, and we'll close, it's this. You need to know that God always finishes what he starts. Okay, so Adam, God makes him, a, uh, he becomes a living soul. God, God creates him, he makes him, he forms him, he puts his life into him, and Adam becomes a living soul. Adam rebelled against God in chapter three, and God went after him. God's not willing that any would perish. Just like God went after you. Okay, so I, I've given you the story of my life. When I was 12 years old, I realized I was cut off from God. And how God came after me was at a series of revival meetings in a little country church down in southwest Missouri. And he used that time in the word to open my eyes and to show me that I was a sinner and that I was in condemnation over my sin. But that God loved me. He's not willing that I would perish. And he used those messages. He used my father and my life and, um, and uh, brought me to a place where I believed on Christ as my Lord, my Savior, my sin bearer, my Redeemer. And at that point, I became a new creature in Christ. I was born again. Okay, that started a process of God maturing me. I don't think the way that I did when I was 12. I don't act the way that I did when I was 12. Uh, Over the process of my life, God's been growing me up. Why? Because God's will is that I be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is finishing what he started. Philippians chapter one verse six says it this way, we're confident of what? Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. That's the whole reason that Jesus came. Luke 19.10, he's coming to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? The image of God in man. And it needs to be restored. Has it been restored in you? Has God found you? God finishes what he starts. He loves you and he's not willing that you would perish. Has he found you? That's the first question this morning. If he's found you, okay, are you being conformed to the image of Christ? Just like salvation, you have a free will. God never forces his love on anybody. You choose whether or not you receive Christ. God doesn't make you. You have a free will. You have to voluntarily confess your sin, surrender your life to Christ. You have to voluntarily believe on him. Well, the same thing's true in sanctification. God's working all things together for good in your life, and what he's doing is he's using them to, the things in your life to conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's say in the matter, but you have a say in the matter as well. Are you cooperating? Are you being conformed to the image of Christ? Are you learning the word of God? Are you growing in the word? Are you growing in your walk with Christ? Are you, is Christ being formed in you, or are you, I mean, when you get saved, you're cut off from a life in the flesh, but you can still follow after it. Are you putting to death what the flesh wants, and are you following after Christ, the word of Christ, or are you going in a, a way that's right in your own eyes? See, you have the ability to disrupt the sanctification process, don't you? Are you being conformed to the image of Christ? You will be, one way or another. He finishes what he starts. If you live in rebellion as a believer against the conforming work of Christ, there will be dramatic changes made in your life at the judgment seat of Christ. You will be completely conformed to his image, and that will either be to rejoicing or it will be to regret. It will be to rejoicing because you were pursuing your walk with Christ. As a, as a child of God, you are pursuing your walk with Christ and you are being conformed to the image of Christ and just like Christ, you were on his mission, you're here to seek and save that which is lost and God used you to win souls and to make disciples and to see ministry multiply and, and, and there will be reward and fruit at the judgment seat of Christ. If you live after the flesh, you will only accomplish things in this world for this world and there will be loss at the judgment seat of Christ that will fall out as regret. Um, if, the, if the rapture were today, if it happened today, you get where 
we're at the end of the end times. We're real close to the return of Christ for his church. There's more prophecy being fulfilled in these months that we're living in. There's more prophecy being fulfilled in the last few years than in the centuries prior to us in the church. It's incredible what we are living in the last of the last days. If the rapture were today and you stood at the judgment seat of Christ, would it be rejoicing or would it be regret? If you, if you were at the judgment seat of Christ, would it be reward or would it be sorrow? Which would it be? I'd like us to bow our heads. I'd like us to humble ourselves before the Lord. Father, you've made us your children. You've, you've made us to fulfill a purpose and a mission. And so, Lord, I just ask right now in Christ's name that you would have your way with your children. And so I know there are people in a room this big with this many people, there's, there, there are some that, that need to be born again. Uh, they're not saved. And today needs to be the day of salvation for them. There are others, though, and, and, and Lord, please, I want to lift up brothers and sisters in Christ that are to be conformed to your image. And um, Lord, I'm just asking in the name of Christ that, that you'd help us to see that we've only got today to serve you. We've only got today to learn your word. We've only got right now to be obedient. We've only got this moment uh, to, to respond to who you are and what you've said over our lives. Uh, there is no tomorrow. Uh, when tomorrow comes, it'll be right now. And we're making decisions moment by moment whether or not we're gonna be being conformed to your image, whether or not we're gonna be submitted and consecrated to your will over our lives. And so God, I pray that if today needs to be a day of rededication for Christians, that Lord, we'd do it, uh, that we'd dedicate our lives to Christ, that we would pursue, we would willingly cooperate with the conforming work uh, that, you're, that, that you desire to perform in our lives. Uh, God, help us to be a people that are growing and knowing you and that are, that are willing in our service to you. Uh, we want to be mature. We want to be perfect. Uh, we want to be complete uh, in the biblical sense. We want to we be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, God, would you help us, would you give grace that, 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 that we'd make these decisions for your glory, but also for the sake of uh, uh, not just ourselves, but others at the judgment seat. And God, I, I pray that, that in all of the decisions that, Lord, you would be glorified. In Christ's name, amen.